is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Well, ladies and gentlemen, looks like I'm taking some incoming fire. And when I do, of course, it's important to respond, particularly when so much is at stake. I've been explaining recently... Uh, based, triggered by Professor Stephen Calabrese, and I've explained it on it myself, that the appointment of Robert Mueller as special counsel violates the appointments clause of the Constitution. He's different than past independent counsel and special counsel, given the, the enormous breadth of his appointment, no specific individual's name, no specific statute's name, given the fact that his supervisor, Mr. Rosenstein, has a hands-off policy with respect to Mr. Mueller and his investigation. Also, the fact that Mr. Mueller had several members of his prosecutorial team receive a dual appointment. So now they're special assistant United States attorneys, which gives them even broader authority. So they're the equivalent of assistant United States attorneys, and Mr. Mueller is the equivalent of a U.S. attorney. Now, I've told you that we have a lot of people out there, lawyers, former judges, former federal prosecutors, defense counsel, who think they understand the Constitution but actually don't take the time to read it. Moreover, they don't take the time to read the relevant case law, nor do they take the time to read Madison's notes respecting one provision or another of the Constitution. And they get on TV and they bloviate and they make these comments comments that they know nothing about. And unfortunately, it's happened a little bit too often with Judge Andrew Napolitano. Normally, I ignore it because I don't really care. Uh, And of course, now he is a supposed colleague of mine on the Fox News channel. But it's something I can't ignore. It's not personal with me. I'm not attacking him personally. It's just that he's dead wrong because he doesn't understand it. And he throws out stuff superficially. I know he was a Superior Court judge in New Jersey. But that's not a federal constitutional position. That is a state lower court trial judge. Again, that's excellent. But he doesn't have any particular expertise in the Constitution, except for that which he has learned on his own. This is something I've been practicing almost my entire life. That doesn't make me right and him wrong, but I want to address this, since he hasn't uh, addressed me directly. There's a really early morning show on Fox. What's it called, Rich? I don't even remember. Fox and Friends First. Uh, And Andrew Napolitano was on there this morning. Which which cut am I looking at, Rich? And this is, uh, let's see, Uh, let's start this cut nine is the relevant one all right let's go to cut nine go 
Some uh, supporters of President Trump, even academics, have been arguing lately that Robert Mueller is an officer of the United States because of the independence that he has mm -hmm. and because he wasn't appointed by the president and wasn't confirmed by the Senate. His office is illegitimate and his behavior is unconstitutional. Is that true? No. That flies in the face of a Supreme Court opinion directly on point which says he's an inferior officer of the United States. An officer of the United States has no boss. An inferior All right, stop, 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 stop. Unfortunately, he's talking about Marson versus Olson. It's a four-part test. And he's just running to the conclusion without going through the four-part test. He says an inferior, a, 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 an inferior officer, he doesn't have to be appointed by the... Let's go ahead. Let's continue it has a boss. His boss is Rod Rosenstein. All right. So a U.S. attorney has a boss, too. An assistant attorney general has a boss, too. The associate attorney general has a boss. The deputy attorney general has a boss. The attorney general has a boss. They're all principal officers. The test isn't whether they have a boss. They all have a boss. The president of the United States, the assistant secretary of agriculture for this, that, and the other also has to be nominated and confirmed by the Senate. So they all have a boss. That's not the test. The test is what the boss and this uh, uh, subordinate do in terms of managing, in terms of oversight. And in the case of Mr. Mueller, the oversight and management of his operations, his day-to-day -day operations, is almost non-existent. So that's not the argument, but that's the argument he makes. Go ahead. Because he's an inferior officer, he doesn't have to be appointed by the president. Or the control. issue is whether he's an inferior officer, and I would argue he's not. And I'll get into that again, as I must, but go ahead. Senate. This is a very late-in-the-day argument, because this ruling that is just described to you is 30 years old. 30 years old is, again, the Morrison versus Olson decision. I would encourage him to actually read it and to look at the different parts of it, like we did like Professor Calabrese did. It's 30 years old, but you have to look, the case also says it, the facts surrounding the appointment. And in fact, you've got to look at the elements in order to determine if somebody is a principal officer or an inferior officer. Go ahead. That's how well settled uh, the law is. Uh, so those who are saying his office is illegitimate are following the dissent in the case. No, actually, I'm following the writer in the case who wrote the majority, Chief Justice Rehnquist, Go ahead. Was written by my late, beloved, dear friend, Justice Scalia. Mm. But the majority rules. You learned absolutely nothing from that segment. Not a word. You learned absolutely nothing. Nothing. You don't even know what case he's talking about. I know what case he's talking about. You don't know what elements that you have to test because he doesn't even talk that, about elements. or doesn't even tell you there are elements for determining whether an an, an a, a officer is inferior or principal. And this is the problem a lot of times with these interviews on cable TV. But it even gets worse. There's somebody by the name of Rob Schmidt who apparently is a host. Cut 10, go. You know, arguments so, like this, I, I, I feel like... Don't make Republicans look good because it makes it appear and the Democrats would argue that they're trying to just obstruct the investigation Makes it look like the Trump campaign has something to hide if they're trying to get something right. like this that as you so said, so he makes this comment the other host says right I'm not with the Trump campaign. I'm not with the Trump administration. I'm not with the Republican Party Just as when I made the cases that you cannot indict a sitting president according to two memos written by the Department of Justice
So his argument is utterly irrelevant, almost moronic. It makes the Trump campaign look, we're talking about the Constitution, whatever it makes the Trump campaign look like. But the problem is Napolitano jumps in and says this. Go ahead. Weeds to try and push. I, the thing. I agree with you. And if you want to look at it from a Republican versus Democrat, this argument's got to be one on the merits. Either the president did something wrong or right. he didn't. Not how did Bob Mueller get his job? The, the, I don't think the public really cares yeah, about that. Care. It's not a matter of whether the public really cares about it. And I would suggest to the judge, given my radio show, my ratings, the ratings on my TV show, he has no idea what he's talking about. They dumb down you, the audience. You have no interest in the Constitution, you see. You have no interest in knowing how this works. And yet I know you do, or you wouldn't be here. Or you wouldn't be here. So this is the back of the hand because he can't make the case substantively on the merits. So now he takes the lead by this guy, Schmidt, and go ahead. I'd like this case to go away, but they would like it to go away on the merits, not on some technicality which uh, yeah. you get to in the second or third year of law school. This was never debated in the second or third year of law school. This is why he was a superior court judge. He's never been on the Supreme Court of any court or appellate court of any court. Again, it's not a personal attack. He's the one making a personal attack. I'm not impressed with the senior judicial analyst. I'm not impressed. I'll give you another example why I'm not impressed. Fox and Friends last Thursday. I want you to listen to this. You and my audience, listen carefully. Cut 11, go. I don't, I don't know what Bob Mueller uh, told Rudy Giuliani, but there are actually two memos in the DOJ. One says the president can be indicted. The other says the president cannot be indicted. No, that's not correct. I have them right in front of me. Apparently, he didn't read them. Apparently, he didn't read them. There's a 1973 memorandum in the Nixon administration that said a president cannot be indicted. And there's a 2000, October 16, 2000 memorandum for the attorney general by the same office of legal counsel that agrees that a sitting president cannot be indicted. So he says there's two memos. Well, let's start at the top. Go ahead, Mr. Producer. I don't I don't know what Bob Mueller uh, told Rudy Giuliani, but there are actually Two memos in the DOJ. One says the president can be indicted. The other says the president cannot be indicted. So I would challenge Judge Napolitano to show us that memo that the Department of Justice has that says a president can be indicted while he's in office. Show us the Office of Legal Counsel memorandum. I challenge him now to show it to us. There isn't one. There's not one. He may be talking about some other memo written by a law professor or two. I've read those. I'm talking about the official. This is why you can't be sloppy about this stuff. You just can't be sloppy about this stuff. As if you're a second or third year law student. You can't be sloppy about this stuff. Go ahead. And when Bill Clinton pleaded guilty to lying under oath, they waved in front of him an indictment saying, do you want us to bring this to a grand jury? He said, no, I'll plead to an information. So what? That has nothing to do with anything. He could have challenged it on constitutional grounds. He could have challenged, challenged it, arguing that under the two memos that that couldn't be done to him. That has nothing to do with anything. That was Bill Clinton's decision. That's not definitive of anything. Go ahead. 
looks like an indictment, but it doesn't involve the grand jury, and it means the defendant agreed to it. So when General Flynn and George Papadopoulos and Alex Vandersveer pleaded guilty to their crimes, it was through an information that didn't involve a grand jury. Can so what? What does that have to do with anything? Nothing. Go ahead. President? They did it with uh, Bill Clinton. Well, and uh, Giuliani says, the Mueller team said, we, you know, longstanding uh, Department of Justice uh, guidelines say you cannot indict a sitting president. He has to be impeached first, and that's a political okay, decision by the House of Representatives. Correct. Correct that that is a political decision by the House. Right now, the House is controlled by Republicans. That may stay the same after November, or it may change. But there is another DOJ memo, as I mentioned to you. They're both circa uh, Clinton. They're both late 90s, which says the president can be indicted but not prosecuted until after he leaves office. Okay, this, I, this, this he needs to reveal. This he needs to reveal. And if, and if it's in the late 90s, I just told you that the second memo was... The late 2000s, October 2000. So that date's not correct. They're both the late 90s. I know the two memoranda that I have from the Justice Department, none of them are in the late 90s. One of them was 1973 and one of them's 2000. So what is he talking about? What is he talking about? Go ahead have to indict him to stop the running of a statute of limitations. No, that's been a, he didn't read it. That was addressed also. That was addressed also in the 2000 memo, which said if the statute of limitation runs, so be it. It's the position of the Department of Justice that it's more important that you preserve the office of the presidency. And this is what gets lost when you use second and third grade uh, uh, year law school logic in these things. You have to read the memoranda, judge. You have to know the provision of the Constitution, actually understand it and the history behind it. Then you would understand the Appointments Clause and the Morrison versus Olson decision, which apparently, I don't know if you read it or not, but the test is in fact laid out by the Chief Justice. So whether so you can cite Scalia, and I certainly do, but you can also cite Rehnquist. So I, I was very disappointed, but it's more than the first time. It's the second or third time he's done this. And I've kept my mouth shut, but I see no reason to keep my mouth shut anymore. When we come back, I will give you the facts one more time about this matter of whether or not Mr. Mueller is a constitutional appointment or not. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Superior Court Judge Andrew Napolitano and the hosts of Fox and Friends First. Here's the first paragraph from the October 16, 2000 Memorandum for the Attorney General by the Office of Legal Counsel. I mean, all they had to do is read the first paragraph. I read the rest for them. In 1973, the department concluded, that is justice, that the indictment or criminal prosecution of a sitting president would impermissibly undermine the capacity of the executive branch to perform its constitutionally assigned functions. We've been asked to summarize and review the analysis provided in support of that conclusion and to consider whether any subsequent developments in the law lead us to reconsider and modify or disavow that determination. 
We believe that the conclusion reached by the department in 1973 still represents the best interpretation of the Constitution. They provide the basis, the case law, all kinds of wonderful footnotes. I've read them all. So that is October 16, 2000, referring to a memorandum of 1973, nothing in the 1990s, no other memorandum that is out there. He may be confusing a memorandum that was written by a law professor for Ken Starr, but that has nothing to do with the Department of Justice. So if you're going to ignore this like a second or third year law student, well, then you shouldn't comment on it. Is there some other memorandum that he's talking about that's an official memorandum from the Office of Legal Counsel to the Attorney General of the United States? No, he's not. And so he's still wrong about whether or not you can indict a sitting president according to the position of the Department of Justice. Now, when it comes to the Appointments Clause of the Constitution, he cites a decision that's 30 years old. I'm well aware of it. I was at the Justice Department when that decision was issued. He was not. And that said, it is exactly that opinion and two other Supreme Court decisions that were taken into account by Professor Calabrese and me and others when we looked at the tests that existed in those cases, and in particular the Morrison versus Olson case in 1988. And with all due respect to, uh, uh, to Napolitano and the Fox and Friend First hosts, they really don't know what they're talking about. They're really just commenting very, very superficially. They really need to study these matters, not act like second and third year law students. I'll be right back. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickhouseLevin.com, that's BrickhouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. Blasting conservative fire. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Now, there's no question that the Mueller legal team would make the arguments that Napolitano has made on the Fox News channel. But so what? So what? And there's no question the Morrison versus Olson decision and two others by the Supreme Court are applicable here. I would remind Judge Napolitano, New Jersey Superior Court Judge, retired Napolitano, 
that the Marsden versus Olson case obviously dealt with the independent counsel statute, which has since lapsed, and the power of the independent counsel under a statutory and administrative procedure that was set up by Congress. The question was the constitutionality of having such a creature that is created by Congress. Uh, and they went back and forth, and Rehnquist wrote the majority opinion. And he put a test out there. And the test is whether or not an officer is a principal officer, where the appointments clause of the Constitution applies, or an inferior officer where it doesn't. The vast majority of people in the federal government are inferior officers. But there are principal officers. As I said, a United States attorney doesn't become a United States attorney unless he's nominated by the president and confirmed by the Senate. And so you need to look at the specific facts involved in this case. Mueller was not appointed under any uh, independent counsel statute. He was appointed under a Department of Justice regulation. His appointment was very unusual in that it was extraordinarily broad. No specific criminal statutes were mentioned, no specific statutes at all. No specific individuals were mentioned. Just a very broad area. Investigate uh, if the Russians interfered with the last election and uh, if the Trump campaign effectively uh, had some role in it. It's since been expanded to include bank fraud, wire fraud, whether uh, Manafort uh, should have or didn't file as a federal agent, and numerous other areas that have absolutely nothing to do with his original mandate, a mandate that's already been expanded uh, at least twice. Then we learn that a number of individuals on Mueller's staff receive dual appointments, so they are effectively assistant United States attorneys, uh, a... Uh, uh, a label, a, a power given to them through the United States Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of Virginia. Well, that's rather ex extraordinary. Why do they get that kind of power? Why? So they can get into areas that are not specifically in the original scope and mandate that was provided to Mr. Mueller. Well, what does that make Mr. Mueller? Is he the equivalent of assistant United States Attorney? Is he an inferior employee uh, uh, officer? Of course not. He's a special counsel of a kind of special counsel we've never seen before. Well, what about Ken Starr? He had all these areas that he investigated. Yes, he did. And he was given specific areas by Janet Reno, multiple specific areas, multiple specific individuals. But under that construct, under the independent counsel statute, they also had a court that they set up, a three-judge court. And I litigated in front of that court on numerous occasions involving a different independent counsel in the Iran matter. And so there was a statutory slash administrative oversight procedure involving an independent counsel that simply does not exist with Mr. Mueller. So we have a number of problems with Mr. Mueller. Does he have a boss? Yes, but so does a U.S. attorney. So does an assistant attorney general. So does the deputy attorney general. So does the attorney general. So that's not a definitive point. Depends what the boss is doing. Is he managed day-to-day, -day, Mr. Mueller? No, he's not. In fact, his effective, quote-unquote, boss, uh, Mr. Rosenstein, the deputy attorney general, makes much of the fact that he's a hands-off type of guy, that Mr. Mueller has to do what Mr. Mueller has to do. Uh, so basically, he rubber stamps the expansion of uh, the Mueller staff. So he's far more than an inferior employee, an inferior officer. And this is why what I uh, pointed out on uh, Hannity last night on Fox, and this is what has... Uh, some of the people, some of the so-called lawyers and so forth, uh, on and off Fox, in a, in a uh, Twitter, if you will. And here's what I said, exactly. 
cut eight. Go. All right. So we have this appointment of Robert Mueller by Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein because Sessions is recused. You have been saying in the last 24 hours on your radio show, and you told me privately, that this very well violates our Constitution and more specifically the Appointments Clause. And I want you to really explain this to our audience tonight. First of all, this seed was planted with me by a hat tip to Professor Stephen Calabrese, an old friend of mine who worked for Attorney General Meese as well. We have in the Constitution something And by, called- and by the way, that's where they get the cheap shot on the professor in academia and so forth, because I mentioned Professor Calabrese. So it's very bizarre to argue people who raise things like this. Okay, so I shouldn't have relied on the professor. I shouldn't have read the relevant Supreme Court decisions. I shouldn't, quote-unquote, get into the weeds, and yet, on the other hand, we sound like second- and third-year law students. You see, this is where they go when they're ignorant. Go ahead. And it applies to principal officers of the executive branch. There's inferior officers, you know, like a chief of staff, an administrative assistant who reports to a principal. Then there's principal officers. As an example, every single United States attorney in the United States has to be nominated by the President of the United States and confirmed by the Senate because our founders made clear that they wanted both branches of government involved in appointments of these senior-level people. Uh, you have assistant secretaries in departments, deputy secretaries in departments, and, of course, cabinet secretaries, and I said U.S. attorneys. Here's the problem. The appointment of Mueller is utterly unconstitutional for a number of reasons. Rod Rosenstein gave him an agenda that is so broad, not a specific individual, not a specific statute, not even a specific matter. And not only was the initial appointment incredibly broad, he keeps expanding it. So it's it, this special counsel's different. Well, let's stop there. So why did I bring that up, ladies and gentlemen? Because under that 30-year-old Supreme Court decision, that's one of the F4 elements. That's one of the tests. If the responsibility of the prosecutor is narrowly defined so as not to interfere with the power of the presidency to prosecute cases. That's specifically why I even brought that up. Go ahead. He's more like a roving U.S. attorney. Also, we learned something today that's absolutely incredible. In Politico, it says several court filings indicate that when lawyers for Mueller's office appeared in federal court in Alexandria earlier this year, they did so not only as representatives of Mueller's office, but they received an appointment, a special assistant United States attorney appointment in the Eastern District of Virginia. They are, in effect, assistant United States attorneys. Robert Mueller wanted to expand their power. They report to the him. If they're assistant United States attorneys or special assistants United States attorneys, that makes Mueller, without question, the equivalent of a United States attorney. So what's unique about him and past independent counsel and special counsel is the massive breadth of his investigation. He's going into bank fraud, wire fraud. He's going now, why into- is this relevant again? Because the second test in this 30-year-old decision, the name of which is Morrison versus Olson, is whether or not the president's executive power, too much of his executive power, has been conferred on another individual. Whether too much of the executive power of the president has been conferred on another individual who he has not nominated and who has not been confirmed by the Senate. An enormous amount of power has been conferred on Mueller and his prosecutors and has been seized by Mueller's prosecutors. That's why he's different than past independent counsel. Go ahead. 
other countries. He's interviewed hundreds of individuals, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of documents. He's not an inferior employee like an administrative assistant or, or anything of that sort. He is a principal officer. And under the Appointments Clause of the United States Constitution, Article 2, Mr. Rosenstein usurped the authority of the President of the United States to nominate whomever he wants as a prosecutor, and Mr. Rosenstein usurped the power of the United States Senate. So, has- so, so the second test under this 30-year-old decision, the second test for whether an officer is inferior, is inferior or a principal, under the Rehnquist decision, the majority decision, is whether the uh, is whether the appointment interferes with the president's executive power, quote unquote, too much. It would seem that it does, does it not? And uh, there are other tests, a fourth test, as well, and that is whether the duties are certain and limited. Are his duties certain and limited? They seem to expand every other day. Also. Whether there's a fixed ending point. In other words, you're investigating someone, you're investigating an issue, and that's that. Well, what's the fixed ending point of this investigation? What is he investigating exactly? He's going into a number of countries. Now he's in Israel. He's interfering in foreign policy. He's interfering with the prosecutorial duties that are under the control of a president which are typically the powers of a United States attorney. This is not a normal special counsel. Investigate Whitewater or investigate uh, the Lewinsky matter and investigate this person, investigate that. No, even if there are multiple issues. He's on a wide investigation and you can even see from the 49 areas of questioning that he wanted to raise with the President of the United States which undermine the president's constitutional powers. No criminal statute whatsoever. Not one. Why did you fire Comey? Why didn't you want me to be hired? What did you think about this guy? What did you think? Just further provides evidence that this special counsel is a different special counsel. That he's conducting himself as a principal officer. And I would remind Napolitano, it's, the test isn't whether they have a boss. The test is the relationship between the boss and the officer. They all have bosses. And yet, that's what he said. Again, unencumbered with information related to this. Go ahead. Confirmation or not, Mr. Mueller is serving unconstitutionally in violation of the Appointments Clause of the Constitution because of the way Rosenstein appointed him, because of expanding his authority, because Mr. Mueller has expanded his own authority with these four now assistant United States attorneys. Now, if Mr. Napolitano had understood the tests in Morrison, he would have understand that I was addressing them one by one. But I wasn't going to be, uh, I wasn't going to do, say that on TV, well, here's the test under Rehnquist, and this is this, and that. I just laid them out. And as a former New Jersey Superior Court judge, you would think he would have known that. Go ahead. In this case, every witness in this case, everybody who receives a subpoena in this case, whatever federal court it is, should raise the issue of the appointments clause of the Constitution and that Mr. Mueller is conducting himself and his appointment is unconstitutional. All right. So under the Morrison versus Olson decision, let me just summarize very quickly because we're running out of time here. 
She, and she was a she, Morrison Independent Counsel, was empowered to perform only certain limited duties, and she had, number two, limited jurisdiction. So on the facts of the case, that's how Rehnquist concluded at the end of the opinion uh, that she was an inferior employee because she didn't have too much of the president's power to control an aspect of the executive branch. And it was defensible in the Morrison case. She was investigating one person, Ted Olson, who had already left public office, by the way. And uh, so she was performing very limited duties and had a very limited jurisdiction. But Mueller's case is very different. He's investigating a sitting president of the United States. He's investigating, quote-unquote, whether he obstructed justice by firing his friend Jim Comey, whether or not collusion with the Russians was concealed, whether or not there was collusion with the Trump campaign and the Russians in 2016. So he's not pursuing one person or even a limited number of people. He's pursuing an endless number of people and an endless number of issues. He's indicted Manafort for bank fraud, for wire fraud, for tax evasion, for not filing as a, as a federal agent. And they had to get additional authority to do that by getting authority for a number of his employees, a number of his prosecutors. Uh, we have the indictment of Flynn which really had nothing to do with Russia. It was a false statement case. Um, and I can go on and on and on. You've got the indictment of 13 Russian citizens. Well, that obviously has an impact on foreign policy, doesn't it? And that case has gotten bogged down right now. He's indicted a, uh, an attorney, a Dutch attorney, for a false statement. Related to what? Related to Russia? Hardly. So we can go on and on with this. I really am not attempting to persuade Napolitano. I'm attempting to make sure you understand how serious this is. Napolitano can hang out with Lou Rockwell and Ron Paul and those guys and so forth and so on. What I'm trying to point out is this is what the Constitution is all about. This is what the Supreme Court said 30 years ago. It was underscored by a more recent case, as a matter of fact, involving uh, this Chief Justice currently, Roberts. But if I go too much further, I think I will bore you. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I would also tell the host, what's his name, Schultz, Mr. Producer? Schmidt, I'm sorry. Um, when you raise a constitutional issue, that's not obstruction. You're not obstructing an investigation. The Constitution supersedes the investigation, Mr. Mueller, the whole thing. When you raise a legitimate constitutional issue, that's not obstructing an investigation. Look, this is not personal with me. I don't even know this gentleman. In Napolitano, I don't know him that well either. So it's not personal with me. But if they're going to lay it out there and they're going to do it in a snarky way, they're going to get a response from me. And I'm more than happy to engage further. It doesn't bother me. This is what I live for. I love this. Um, and I'm not even a senior judicial analyst or a former New Jersey Superior Court judge. I'm just not. Little old me is just a constitutional lawyer who was chief of staff to the Attorney General of the United States. That's all. All right. Hillsdale College. You know, good news, folks. Hillsdale College is offering their free online Constitution 101 course again, but only for a limited time. So register right away at levinforhillsdale.com. 
Hillsdale is the authority on teaching the Constitution. You can take the course based on the same curriculum that Hillsdale students use, taught by the same amazing professors. Close to one million people have registered. And if you haven't, you really should. Now's the time. Now, I know this research I'm about to share doesn't apply to any of you, my beloved audience. But did you know one in three Americans can't name a single right protected by the First Amendment? The First Amendment. And only 25% can name all three branches of government. But get this. 33% can't name any branch of government. Not even one. Look. You need to help. We need to help make sure that our fellow Americans understand not just those facts, but our constitutional rights, too, like the Appointments Clause of the Constitution. Constitution 101 provides you the perfect overview. So register right now. It's quite simple. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. You'll even get a free pocket constitution just for signing up. And you need to know liberty in order to defend liberty. And that's what Hillsdale College is all about. Levin for Hillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. You now understand the Appointments Clause more than virtually anybody else. But it's very, very important. You know, these principal officers, these powerful people, whether it's the Assistant Secretary for something or other at the Energy Department or HUD, whether it's the Associate Attorney General or Deputy Attorney General of the United States or any of the Cabinet Secretaries, whether it's a United States Attorney, whether it's the FBI Director and so forth and so on, your framers of your Constitution decided, well, we can't leave this to, you know, others to make these appointments. The President needs to nominate and the Senate needs to confirm or not confirm. Given the breadth and power that Mr. Mueller has, both granted to him and seized by him, as well as his own prosecutors, it's almost impossible to conclude that he's an inferior officer. I'll be right back. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello everybody, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I want to address another issue. Another myth that's out there. Another myth. We played audio for you last night, I'm not going to do it again today, of various 
media miscreants and Democrat malcontents going on and on about how the president of the United States was conducting himself in a fascistic manner by meeting with his deputy attorney general and his FBI director and telling them he wants them to get to the bottom of what took place vis-a-vis the the FBI and the Justice Department and the intelligence agencies and his campaign. And we had the morning schmo. We had Sally Yates, the Democrat hack who was deputy attorney general under Obama. We had all kinds of goofballs with law degrees, all kinds of goofballs from Congress, all over TV saying that this was absolutely outrageous. Nobody's ever done this before. Nobody's ever done what before? Ask for an investigation. The president's not allowed to ask for an investigation. Just because he's in charge of the executive branch, what we call a unitary executive branch, unitary in that it's under the president. See, folks, the president came first. All the rest of these departments and agencies came later. And yet, ladies and gentlemen, I want to encumber you with some more history. This isn't Fox and Friends first, after all. Um, would it shock you to hear that President George Washington ordered the prosecution of individuals? Our friend Professor Calabrese relying on another professor, but none of that matters. He, he writes that George Washington clearly believed he had plenary authority to control all federal prosecutions and directed various federal district attorneys, the equivalent of U.S. attorneys, in the exercise of their prosecutorial discretion. That included telling the U.S. attorney in Pennsylvania that he should drop the prosecution of two individuals Washington thought were innocent. He also very specifically directed federal prosecutors and other officials to go after those involved in the infamous Whiskey Rebellion. By the way, I'm not encouraging presidents to do this. I'm giving you your history. Washington believed the president was responsible, the president, for the enforcement of federal law, and thus may superintend all those authorized to execute it, removing those who do not do so to his satisfaction. So we have our current president fires Jim Comey, and hey, obstruction, 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 is so outrageously moronic. Thomas Jefferson had the same view that Washington had. John Adams, our second president, had the same view that Washington had. Andrew Jackson had the same view as Washington had. Jefferson had a very expansive view of presidential power and took control of federal prosecutions, including directing all United States attorneys to immediately stop enforcing and to drop all pending prosecutions under the Alien and Sedition Act, which I feel was unconstitutional, but that's not the point. John Adams was defeated. His party was defeated. Jefferson and his party won. They took over both houses of Congress. One of the things Jefferson ran on was his opposition to the Alien and Sedition Act. He's elected president and he directs all U.S. attorneys throughout the country, do not enforce this statute, it wasn't repealed yet, and drop all prosecutions under it. Jefferson was also involved 
in what is, as Hans von Spakovsky writes, perhaps the most memorable federal prosecution in American history, that of his own former vice president, Aaron Burr, for treason. Jefferson insisted that he be prosecuted, and Jefferson was involved in it. Andrew Jackson exercised direct control over federal prosecutions, including ordering the termination of federal condemnation proceedings, then pending over jewels owned by the Princess of Orange, according to Professor Frank Cross. So it goes on, and there are numerous examples of this. Again, I'm not encouraging modern-day presidents to do it. But let's give this some perspective. President Trump hasn't ordered anybody prosecuted, and he hasn't ordered that any prosecution that's going on should be stopped. President Trump simply asked his deputy attorney general and his FBI director to investigate the extent to which his campaign was surveilled by the prior administration, the extent to which his campaign had implanted spies, we know of at least one, in his campaign and any other conduct of this sort that the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the Central Intelligence Agency, the Department of Justice, or any of these other federal entities had with respect to interference in the last election. I don't even understand what the controversy is. We're investigating whether or not and the extent to which the Russians interfered in our election, and we should. And the president is saying, okay, and I want us to investigate the extent to which the Obama administration and the federal government interfered in the campaign, too. There's an awful lot of information out there. No, no, what is he? Is he a dictator? What is he, a fascist? What is he, trying to get even? He's done nothing like Washington did, or Adams did, or Jefferson did, or Jackson did. Not even close. And look how they trash him. Look how they trash him, because they're ignorant. Just as some people are ignorant of the Constitution, are ignorant of Supreme Court decisions, but they beat their chests on TV and radio, we have members of Congress and people in the media who are absolutely ignorant about American history, and they don't care. There's a Senator Mazi Hirono, particularly despicable, from Hawaii. From Hawaii, and she was on MSLSD last night. Listen to what she says. Hat tip, Breitbart, cut five, go. We talk about the rule of law. The difference between a democracy and a totalitarian government is the rule of law. So you have a president, Trump, who has attacked the media. He's gone after the uh, gone after judges who don't agree with him. He's he gone after anybody. He's criticized them. He's criticized them. What, only Nazis marching in Skokie have free speech? He's not allowed to criticize them? What it, it, it's so crazy, these morons. Go ahead. After the intelligence community, the FBI, the department... He uh, hasn't gone after the intelligence community, the FBI, or the Department of Justice. They went after him. He's been really very, very passive in his dealings with the FBI, the Department of Justice, and the intelligence community. Very passive compared to past presidents, but very passive, period. Go ahead. Justice. And these are the kinds of actions taken by people like uh, Erdogan in Turkey, um, Duterte in the Philippines, and of course, 
uh, Putin and, and Russia, all, all three uh, dictators, basically, the president very much. Admired. You know, this woman is a complete, utter disgrace. And a moron on top. Just totally awful. Absolutely awful. But they love her over there at MSLSD. Because they're just as moronic and clownish as she is. The kinds of actions taken like people by Erdogan, Duterte of the Philippines, and Putin and Russia? The hell is she smoking? I'll be right back. Mark Senator Maisie Hirono of Hawaii make the most outrageous over-the-top statement about our president on MSNBC. There is no responsibility or accountability for the media in this country whatsoever. They don't even police themselves. And MSNBC loves a guest like this. A kook. A radical nutjob. But CNN will not be outdone. CNN will not be outdone. They bring in some guy, Mike Quigley. He's a congressman. They're a dime a dozen. And I don't know where this cretin is from or who he represents. But I want you to listen to this. Cut six, go. I thought that the Russian attack on our democratic process was the most important thing that happened in our lifetime, the greatest threat to our democracy. I now believe the greatest threat to our rule of law, our democracy, how our intel community works to protect us, is not from that attack, but from the president's reaction to that attack. Oh, aren't you clever, you jerk. So, Wolf Blitzer, let's hear what he has to say. Go ahead. Well, so just just to be precise on this, Congressman, you think the president and how he's behaving right now represents a bigger threat to American democracy than what the Russians were doing and apparently are still doing here in the United States, interfering in in, in the uh, election process? What's happening here is far more insidious. It's an attack on how the intelligence community collects its information. If they can't assure our sources and our methods will be uh, secured, we will be less safe as a country. If the independence of the Justice Department is threatened for all time, if this establishes uh, a pattern of behavior where the Justice Department doesn't have that independence, uh, the rule of law is greatly threatened. I, I must, point, I, I shut him up, thank you. I, I'm a little confused about something. Where is it written that the Department of Justice is independent from the rest of the executive branch? Where is it written that it's independent from the president of the United States? Tell me, was the Justice Department independent from Barack Obama when Eric Holder was the Attorney General or Loretta Lynch when she was the Attorney General? Who is it that nominates the people to fill the principal positions in the Department of Justice with Senate confirmation? So let me get this straight. So our President of the United States has no say in what the Department of Justice does, has no say in what the FBI does, has no say in what the intelligence services do. Is that what the Constitution says? Where does this come from? Now, we know there's a line that you don't cross. We don't believe our president should get into the specifics of a prosecution that's going on and so forth, even though in the beginning of our, our republic they certainly did. 
But so the president of the United States simply asking for an investigation of what took place. All of a sudden, he's threatening the nation. He's threatening the independence of the Justice Department. He's threatening the, the uh, good conduct of our intelligence agencies and so forth and so on. You see, ladies and gentlemen, here's the takeaway. The Democrat Party is a party of tyranny. If any of this had been done to a Democrat, they'd burn the country down. But it's done to a Republican, and specifically Trump, and they defend it to the hilt. They have no principles, they have no morals, they have no standards whatsoever. None. That's what makes them so damn dangerous. Quigley, Hirono, what have you. These are very dangerous people. And the media, dangerous by giving them voice. This president hasn't threatened the independence of anything. This president hasn't threatened the intelligence agencies or the media or so forth and so on. He speaks his mind. He speaks out. He's trying to defend himself. He's trying to defend the office of the presidency. He's trying to defend his administration. He's trying to defend his family. And he's trying to defend the republic. And they want him just to be quiet and take it. Take the silent coup. Take the impeachment. Take the prosecutor. Don't fight back. Don't speak out. You know, he's the greatest threat to the First Amendment in American history. Really? He's the greatest threat? Maybe they're not familiar with Franklin Roosevelt during World War II. I take it they're not. Talk about the Alien and Sedition Act. Maybe they're not familiar with that, passed under John Adams. Where so-called journalists were actually thrown into jail. Who do these idiots think they're fooling? With their comments about Trump and his actions. Exactly how has he interfered with the Russian investigation? By firing Comey? That doesn't interfere with the Russian investigation. It interferes with Comey's psychotic agenda. Comey was a bad cop. I've said it over and over again. It's being repeated by others. A bad cop. So his ass got kicked out of the the FBI like it should have been. Hillary Clinton wanted him out, but not until Trump got rid of him. All of a sudden, the Democrats turn on a dime. They hate Comey. Now they love Comey. This is what I mean about the Democrat Party leadership and the media in this country. They don't stand for anything but themselves. They don't stand for anything but their own power. They don't stand for anything but their own agenda. They will cite the Constitution if they think it helps them. They will reject it if they think it doesn't. They will cite American history if they think it helps them. They will reject it as nothing more than a history of slave owners if they don't think it helps them. Why? Because they're power hungry, that's why. You're not allowed to question them. You're not allowed to challenge them. If you do, it's a threat to the republic, don't you know? The independence of the Justice Department? Is this a joke? The Justice Department is not independent of the President of the United States any more than the Agriculture Department is. And since when is the FBI independent of the President of the United States? Do we really want the most powerful law enforcement entity in the nation at the federal level to be independent from elected officials? Of course not. Of course not. And they'll change their tune when they're back in power. They'll change their tune 
The funny thing is they politicize everything. They politicize the courts. They politicize the FBI. They politicize the CIA. They politicize the NSA. They politicize the Department of Justice. They politicize the U.S. attorney's offices. Yes, they do. In order to advance their radical, progressive, and statist agenda. All of a sudden, they go after corporations for things that were perfectly legal. They take the money that they, that they blackmail out of the corporations and give it to community activist groups who will support Democrats. The Environmental Protection Agency under their control. Politicized like hell. They are trying to destroy this guy, Pruitt, who's the administrator there. They're so busy looking at, oh, look at this. He flew in first class. Oh, look at this. He's running his place from a guy who owned this and used to do that. And Look at this. Did a single Obama administration official get an anal exam like that? Of course not. Let alone the heads of the EPA because they were radical kooks and they defended them and protected them. Finally, we have a president of the United States who fights back. Finally, we have a president of the United States who goes around and over the media... Not like Reagan who gave magnificent speeches because he can't. He uses Twitter. Thank goodness there's Twitter. And they hate him for it. They hate him for it. And so they're out to wreck him. They are a wrecking ball. And the rhetoric that they use, the lies, the propaganda by these demagogues has no bounds. Has no bounds whatsoever. To hear this idiot, Hirono, and this other idiot, Quigley, talking about the president as if he's some kind of fascist, they must have confused him with the Obama administration, who actually liked fascists. Cuba, Iran, you name it. I'll be right back. A champion of freedom. You know, you're one of the greatest champions of freedom in this country, if not in the English-speaking world, Mark. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. friend of mine wrote me, Karen, and uh, makes an excellent point. Maybe what the president ought to do is say, okay, I agree with you, Democrats. The FBI... Sure, they're free to put spies, a.k.a. informants, in my campaign to see whether or not we are colluding with the Russians. But let's try this. I'm going to tell the FBI director that he should put spies in some of your campaigns to see who you're colluding with. Since most of you are sympathetic to the Cubans and the Iranians and the North Koreans, the Chinese, and of course the Russians, that's what we hear. Sure. You don't have any problem with it. We don't want to interfere with the FBI. As a matter of fact, I'll even suggest that the intelligence agencies do some domestic intelligence scooping, which, of course, they're not allowed to do as a matter of law. But what the hell? I don't want to interfere with the FBI, which is independent, as we all know, and the CIA, which is independent, as we all know. Sure. Okay. Go ahead, boys. Check out the DNC. Check out some of these Democrat campaigns going on right now. See if they're colluding with the Russians. See if they're colluding with the Cubans. See if, even that, they don't have to collude with them. See if they're colluding with the Mexican government on immigration. We don't want to interfere with the FBI and the intelligence agencies. Now, do we, ladies and gentlemen? No, 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 no. 
it just shows you how sickening these people have become, how they defend totalitarianism. All over MSNBC, these frauds, a freak show of hosts defending totalitarianism. At CNN, a freak show of hosts defending totalitarianism. They wouldn't tolerate this for a minute if it was done to any Democrat. Any Democrat. But that's who they are. One of the questions we keep hearing from our fans on radio and on Fox TV is, why should we sign up for CRTV? Well, I'll give you a lot of reasons why. First of all, it's a completely different show that I do on Levin TV. Secondly, we have a great number of hosts, not just me, who are not on Fox, most of whom don't have radio shows, but who are great people. Steven Crowder, I was on his show today. That guy is sharp. He's solid. I really like him. Louder with Crowder. Phil Robertson. Another guy who I've met who I really like. We have Phil Robertson. Michelle Malkin, who is just terrific. Andrew Wilkow. I can go on and on and on. You can check it out at CRTV.com yourself. But the fact is, it is a a digital TV program, and that in and of itself makes it unique. You can take us anywhere with you. You can watch us. It's like the old Dick Tracy watches. You can watch us on your portable phone. You can watch us on your iPad. You can watch us on your PC. You can watch us on your smart TV through Roku. There's so many ways. I haven't even touched them all that you can watch us and listen to our program. We have embraced modern technology, and we're running with it. And these programs are very professionally produced. The best audio, the best cameras, the best lighting, you might say, well, who cares? It matters. And that's what we do over at CRTV. We are independent of all big media, all of it. We are not owned by a major corporation. And you can check it out for 30 days. Absolutely free. Not only that, we'll set you up in five minutes. It's quick and easy to get started. And and there's all kinds of wonderful discount plans. I would strongly encourage you to get the three-year plan. It's 199 bucks. You know what that does? That's less than $6 a month. That's less than a Big Mac combination for all the programming. And summertime's the best time to take it because you can take it with you. You can watch us on the beach. You can watch us around the pool. You can watch us around the tennis court. You can watch us on your back deck, on your front porch. If you're taking a long drive and you're not the one driving, you can watch us in the car. It's really, really cool, and I want you to participate in this and check it out, okay? Here's how you do it. To get your... 30 days free, absolutely free, so you can check us out. Use promo code LEVIN. And we'll also give you 10 bucks off an annual pass. So rather than $99, that's $89 for the entire year. You know, cable's like $200 a month. We're not even $200 for the year. In fact, if you sign up for three years, we're $199. But check it out. Check out the various offerings they have. I know you're going to like it. Call 844-LEVIN-TV. 844-L-E-V-I-N-T-V. Again, 844-LEVIN-TV. My dad watches it every night. 
and he loves it. It's set up on his smart TV. I forget if he has an LG or I think it's a Samsung. And he just hits that box with his remote that's on the screen, and boom, he's watching their show, and he doesn't miss any of them. And he's going to be 93 in a couple of weeks. So I hope you'll check it out. I bought it for him because I want him to watch. And he loves it. All right. Well, Joe Scarborough on the morning schmo. This man is a complete sellout. Don't we have our Joe Scarborough music, Mr. Producer? Do you have that available there? He has to get it. All right, forget it. Uh, Let's go ahead and play cut seven. Hat tip daily caller. Go ahead. Well, as is the fact, Willie, that there was some conspiracy by justice and the FBI and the Obama administration to rig the election. If that were the case and they were all characters out of Mike Judge's idiocracy and probably water their grass with Gatorade, because after all, the investigation into Donald Trump's possible contacts with Russia was kept quiet. While Hillary Clinton got a letter from the FBI 10 days beforehand that was absolutely devastating to her campaign. Everything the FBI did in the home stretch was to Donald Trump's benefit and Hillary Clinton's detriment, including McCabe's leak. Now, for somebody not to understand that, I mean, seriously, it suggests only one thing, and that is they are either intentionally lying or they are too stupid to handle household appliances. Well, let me explain something to the morning schmo of deliverance, the boy on the bridge with the banjo. Uh, One investigation was a criminal investigation, Joe. The other investigation was a counterintelligence investigation. A criminal investigation, for all intents and purposes, while the particulars aren't public, The fact of its existence is often public. Understand, Joe? That's number one. Number two, a counterintelligence investigation is secret, like the secret FISA court. You know, stuff like that. Everybody, go! Joe and Mika Scarborough. Oh, yes! Their wedding music right here. The couple from Deliverance. All right, kill it. Thank you. All right, Mr. Producer. I don't have my call screen. Who do you recommend that I speak to? Start our program off with a caller here. XM Satellite, Georgia. Steve, go. Steve Steve here. Yeah, well, it's your turn. Go right ahead, sir. Mr. Levin, good. Thank you. Uh, One one question I have for you, sir. Uh, Uh Since they, since uh, oh, uh, Bremer and, and Comey think that it's such a good idea to try to protect, uh, uh, at the time, candidate Trump from being infiltrated by the Russians by inserting a, a spy, I guess right. you want to call it. Uh, the question is, it's not being raised, is why haven't they done it for, say, Joe Stein or the Clintons or... or or Bernie Sanders' campaign? Why, why weren't there... Uh, this is an excellent question, sir. If you're really concerned about Russian interference in our elections, why didn't you send some spies to the DNC? Because as Clapper said, your point is, we weren't investigating Trump looking at Trump, we were looking at the Russians. Well, 
Why didn't you send one of your moles over to the DNC if you're looking at the Russians and what they're doing? Why didn't you send your mole, as you're pointing out, into Jill Stein's campaign or the Hillary Clinton's campaign? I mean, after all, you weren't after Trump. You were after the Russians. Isn't that your point, sir? There you go. You, you've it's got a it. great point. It is a great. It is a great. Thank you, Mr. Levin. You got it, baby. Do we have Mr. Clapper, uh, Mr. Producer, that we've we've pulled from the past? I believe it was March fifth, twenty seventeen, over a year ago on Meet the Depressed with uh, with Chuck Todd. Listen to this one, folks. As uh, down memory lane, go ahead. Obviously, I'm not. I can't speak officially anymore, but uh, I will say that for the part of the national security apparatus that I oversaw as DNI, there was no such wiretap activity mounted against uh, the, pres- uh, the president-elect at the time or as a candidate or against his campaign. Uh, I can't speak for uh, other Title III mm-hmm. authorized uh, entities in the government or uh, a state or local entity. Yeah, I was just going to say, if the FBI, for instance, had a FISA court order of some sort for a surveillance, would that be information you would know or not know? Yes. You would be told I, this. I would know that. If there was a FISA court order yes. on something like this. Um, something like this, absolutely. And at this point, you can't confirm or deny whether that exists? I can deny it. There is no FISA court order? Not, not to my knowledge. Of anything at Trump Tower? No. Well, that's an important uh, revelation at this point. Hmm. Now, of course, that was March 5th. That was really in response to my March 2nd radio show and the president of the United States talking about wiretapping uh, his wires at Trump Tower. But you see how dishonest and deceitful Mr. Clapper is? He's not aware of a FISA warrant involving wiretaps at Trump Tower. But he was aware of a FISA warrant, wasn't he? Mr. Clapper has a very difficult problem with the truth, whether under oath, in front of Congress, whether in the media. Now, that was NBC Meet the Depressed. NBC Meet the Depressed. And they've never really circled back with Mr. Brennan, uh, uh, excuse me, yes, with Mr. Clapper, have they? It's like what Mr. Clapper said in response, I think it was uh, Wyden of Oregon, uh, with respect to the NSA, if uh, if they're monitoring uh, the phone calls, actually not monitoring, but uh, tracking the phone calls of American citizens, he flat out said no. He was a liar. And he lied again on The View yesterday, I guess it was, saying that he had been mistaken and so forth and so on or taken out of context. Uh, this is a man who is... A liar under oath and a liar on TV. And you got to think, if Michael Flynn is watching this stuff, he must be shaking his head. Lieutenant General Flynn must be shaking his head saying, look at this. Or Hillary Clinton in her serial lies about the the Espionage Act. Must be shaking his head. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. suggestions here that I think are really right on, really nailed it. If you listen to the media and you listen to the Democrats, one and the same, you hear them going on and on, and they they buy this James the Clap Clapper argument, which is, you know, the the informant was in there not to, uh, you know, spy on the Trump campaign, but but to watch the Russians. 
and to attack the FBI doing the good works that it was doing under Comey and McCabe, serial leakers, of course, but nobody cares, is to attack the very essence of our republic. And so I want to repeat what suggestions have come into this program, which I think are brilliant. Well, then, the next election cycle, we should put spies in the campaigns of the Democrats. Not to investigate the Democrats, of course, but to protect them from the Russians and to protect the country from Russian interference in our elections. So we should put spies in the, in the Democrat Party's candidates' campaigns. And I would take it a step further. Since the media think this is so cool, I think we should put spies in their newsrooms. Not to investigate them, of course. No, 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 no. Just to make sure they're protected from the Kremlin. We don't want CNN and MSNBC and CBS and ABC and NBC and the New York Times and the Washington Post harmed by the Kremlin. We need to find out the extent to which the Kremlin's trolls are influencing the news to protect these news companies. Therefore, the FBI should implant, what do we call informants, that's the word, informants in the media operations just to protect them. I think it's a great idea. You know, you keep getting those invitations in your mailbox. In fact, you may have even already joined. You got the AARP card? I hope not. Of course, you can cancel it. And you thought, hey, it's less than 20 bucks a year. They help with insurance plans, travel, and other discounts. It'll pay for itself 10 times over. And so you joined. You joined a left-wing lobbying group that spends your hard-earned dollars lobbying against what you believe in and stand for, undermining your own principles. So that's why a decade ago, Dan Weber founded AMAC. AMAC is also less than 20 bucks a year. AMAC also helps with insurance plans, travel, and other discounts. And AMAC's card will also pay for itself 10 times over. But when you choose AMAC, your dollars go to support a principled, conservative viewpoint to support your ideals that you believe in like border security like a strong defense like law and order like capitalism like small government like low taxes it's the anti-AARP and AMAC gets his voice from you the member over a million strong including me join now at amac.us that's A-M- ac.us chances are you're going to join an organization when you turn 50 choose wisely join the one that represents you and join right now that's amac amac.us if you're a member of the aarp call them and get out of it in my humble opinion and replace them with amac that's amac.us amac.us okay Stephen, Staten Island, New York, Sirius Satellite. Go right ahead, please. Good to talk to you, and I think you are the great one. Well, thank uh, you. First of all, with Napolitano. I, well, I let turn... me say this. I am the senior judicial analyst of my own show. Yes, you are. Thank and you. I respect you. Thank but you. Andrew Napolitano, he's never right. I turn him off. It's not only about what you said. He's, he's never right. But here's my question to you, Mark. If... Trump's attorneys would go to a court and say to the judge that this whole thing is conflicted with Rosenstein, Comey, and Mueller. 
that he wrote the memo to fire Comey, that this whole fight, this whole uh, dossier with the Pfizer judges, crooked, paid for by uh, Hillary Clinton, and then to bring up what you brought up yesterday, couldn't they just throw this whole Mueller thing out? Well, we'd have to parse this a little bit. The president could bring up uh, not so much the Rosenstein conflict because that doesn't directly affect anything. What he would bring up is these constitutional arguments. Number one, uh, according to the Department of Justice and two memos, and they're correct, he can't be indicted. So therefore, all these other activities aimed at entrapping him certainly don't hold water. And again, number two, I would challenge the appointments. The appointment under the appointments clause for the reasons that I said. I think Manafort's lawyers ought to do it and so forth. I don't know what these judges are going to rule. You know, we have a lot of leftist judges. But they ought to fight like hell and make the case. Thank you, Stephen. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Want to get to a lot of things in the final hour. They're disparate, but still interesting. You've heard of this guy... Thomas Steyer. He's a billionaire, another nasty human being. He has spent a small fortune, but nothing to him, on promoting the impeachment of the President of the United States. And he started this almost from day one. The guy's like a Russian oligarch, if you will. And he's a conspiracy theorist, too. And he believes that Trump moved the American embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem because of money that was going to go to the Republican Party by Sheldon Adelson, another billionaire. I want you to listen to this. Cut 13, go. It was worse than you just said. Because actually, Trump walked away from the Iran Treaty and moved the embassy... Stop. It wasn't an Iran Treaty, you billionaire moron. That's part of the problem. It wasn't a treaty. Steyer, you billionaire moron. Well, now we have to start from the top. Go ahead. It was worse than you just said. Because actually, Trump walked away from the Iran Treaty and moved the embassy to Jerusalem and Sheldon Adelson gave the RNC $30 million the next day. So there's something going on here that is very scary and very dangerous. Listen to this sicko. Mr. Producer, let's try something daring. Will you see if we can get him on the show tomorrow? Tell him I want to talk impeachment. I want to talk about his comments related to the Iran Treaty and moving the embassy to Jerusalem and Sheldon Adelson. I'm quite serious. So according to this guy, Trump walked away from the Iran Treaty. Now, of course, Trump had condemned the Iran deal and said he was going to walk away from it during the campaign, and moved the embassy to Jerusalem. Trump said he was going to move the embassy to Jerusalem during the campaign, and Congress voted in 1995 by overwhelming numbers to move the embassy to Jerusalem. And Sheldon Adelson, 
gave the RNC $30 million the next day. Sheldon Adelson, who gives lots of money to the Republican, uh, various Republican uh, institutions as well as candidates. But he gave the money to the RNC, you see. What Steyer seems to be saying, he paid for Trump to drop the Iran deal. He paid for Trump to move the embassy to Jerusalem. I really want to pursue this with Mr. Steyer. And let's see if he has the guts to come on the program. He's throwing his money everywhere. He's a big... I'll behave. Uh, uh, We would like to have Mr. Steyer on the program. Let me put it to you that way. Mr. Steyer. Hello, hello, Mr. Steyer. You're out there. We know you're out there. Next subject. Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL. I cannot stand this man. When I see him, when I hear his voice, I cannot stand this man. Makes $40 million a year to make a mess of the NFL. In addition to the $40 million, he wanted a private jet and health care for his family for the rest of their lives. Talk about a pig. What is he? He's a commissioner. He's not an owner. He's not a player. He's not even a referee. He's a commissioner. He starts in the NFL as an intern, works his way up into the uh, legal office, uh, eventually works his way up into the commissioner's seat. How dumb are these owners to keep promoting this, this guy? Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, they figured out what to do with the players in the national anthem. Cut 16, go. Clearly, our objective as a league uh, and to all 32 clubs, uh, which was unanimous, is that We want people uh, to be respectful to the National Anthem. We want people to stand. That's all personnel and make sure that uh, they treat this uh, moment in a respectful fashion. That's something that we think we owe. We uh, have been very sensitive in making sure that we uh, give players choices, but we do believe uh, that that moment is an important moment and one that we are going to uh, focus on. Pretty good. But a couple of things here. First of all, I I heard people on television saying that this isn't fair to the players. That they have First Amendment rights, too. Have you heard that, Mr. Producer? ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN3, ESPN7, ESPN2. Hey, the players have rights, too. The First Amendment. How many times do I have to explain that the First Amendment has nothing to do with this? The Bill of Rights apply to your individual liberty vis-a-vis the government. There is no government here. It's the NFL. So this has nothing to do with the First Amendment anymore than you mouthing off in your office, in your business, in your place of employment. You're not covered by the First Amendment either. It's not the government. And your boss can fire you if you're a schmo. Then the players' union. They weren't consulted, don't you know? And they're going to take a a wait-and-see attitude and monitor this. They're not really happy about this. The players' union. I have two words for the players' union. Screw off! You jerk! The union boss, screw off! The players' union, the players, the owners, they all exist because of you and me. That's it! And I'm tired of these millionaire football players whining all the time. Always whining, always sounding off. They don't do it in the NBA. 
They don't do it in Major League Baseball. They don't do it in professional hockey. It's football. They don't do it in boxing. They don't do it in uh, martial, uh, martial arts, UFC, and so forth. Just mouthing off all the time. We don't give a crap what you players think. Don't you get it? We could care less. We pay for you to suit up and bang the crap out of each other. Oh, yes, we do. Yes, we do. And they carry this weird ball across the end zone, into the end zone, or kick it through the uprights. That's why you're there. That's why we're in the stands. If we want to hear idiots speak, we can listen to most of our neighbors. We don't need to pay for idiots to speak. We get enough of that. We get enough of that. Oh, the players' union wasn't consulted. Wow. I don't know about you, but here where I work and so forth, management rarely ever consults me when they put in some new policy. Do they consult you, Mr. Producer? Do they consult Mr. Call Screener? No. They just do it. Well, what about my First Amendment rights? You don't have any First Amendment rights when it comes to the private sector. It's called the private sector. Hey, I have a First Amendment right. It's just so stupid, and I hear this all day long. All the cable channels, news cable channels, sports cable channels. Hey, we have a First Amendment right, too. No, you don't. It's not the government. Now shut up and play football. Oh, you're not allowed to say that either? Oh, no. We all go to football games and pay these exorbitant prices because we want to hear some jerk go off against our country. We want to hear some jerk attack the police. We can do that for free. Just turn on the TV. We don't need to go to a stadium to watch this spectacle. You're going to take a knee and protest a what? The freest, greatest country on the face of the earth? I'm taking a knee. And Capper Pickle Nickel, whatever his name is. You know, they're blackballing this guy. They won't allow him to play for any team. I, I think it's absolutely... So what? So what? You have to be an idiot to be an owner to want that guy on your team. To create all the uh, tumult and upset your fans. Why the hell would you hire a guy like that? You're not required to hire him. Well, it's a conspiracy in the league. Not a conspiracy. They all think he's a jerk. They all think he's a jerk. If he was any damn good, they'd hire him. But he isn't any damn good, so they don't hire him. Oh, well. Now, so basically, here's the deal, as I understand it. The teams can either stay in the locker room, or if they come out, they have to uh, show respect and they can't kneel. And if they kneel, there's some kind of fine or penalty. That's probably the best the NFL could get away with. It's probably the best the NFL could do. I'm not particularly happy with it, but I get it. But I get it. Then stay in the damn locker room if you're going to be disrespectful. What about that? Go ahead. Stay in the damn locker room. And then if you want to come out and show respect. But here's the thing. We're all going to know what's going on. If the team doesn't come out, we're going to know that that team is not particularly patriotic. That's right. I said it. That that team is not particularly patriotic. 
that they come out and stand in a respectful manner for the national anthem, then we're going to know that team is patriotic. It's that simple. They'll self-identify, if you will. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Jets owner, uh, or I guess he's the son of the owner, Christopher Johnson. Yeah, I think he's the son. Never really created anything. He was born into it. CBS, despite the institution of a new policy requiring players to stand during the national anthem and imposing fines for any that don't, in other words, you either stay in the locker room or if you come out, you be respectful. No New York Jets players will be paying any fines. Team chairman Christopher Johnson, who is acting as the owner while his brother, that's the brother, Woody Johnson, serves as the United States ambassador to the UK, told Newsday on Wednesday that the team will cover any fines incurred by Jets players for violating the anthem policy. I do not like imposing any club-specific rules, Johnson said. Somebody on the Jets takes a knee, that fine will be paid. By the team. Well, no offense, WABC country, you know that uh, I have a very, very special connection with you because I started out in radio in New York on WABC on Sundays. So I consider WABC to be my home, and in many respects, New York City to be my home. But I will not watch the Jets. Not because they suck, and they do, but because of Christopher Johnson. And they better bring Woody Johnson home from the UK because his brother's stinking up the place. I said his brother's stinking up the place. Look, he can't wait. Can't wait to ingratiate himself with the uh, players' union rather than the military, rather than patriotic Americans, rather than veterans. Enough of these games. He's going to play the fines, so he's going to encourage them to take the knee. But don't worry, he'll be a... uh, very popular man in the clubhouse. Don't worry, though. They'll, they'll all love him, the players. Now they're fraud. This Christopher Johnson, the Jets chairman. Wow. What a guy. Let's take a call, shall we? I think we will here. Let us go to Forest, Gun Barrel, Texas. I like the name of that town. I would like to change the name of my county to Gun Barrel County. On the Mark Levin app. How are you, sir? I'm great. It's Gun Barrel City in WBAT country. You got it, baby. I'm like your dad. I I watch your show every night, similar to the way he does. I just wanted to make a point. Thank you. Your your, your observation about this, people too frequently can't understand the First Amendment, right? They they, they mix and match government versus private. Something similar happened today. I think a judge must have ruled that President Trump can't block folks on Twitter. Fair enough. But on the right, out on Twitter, there are thousands of people saying, aha, then they can't shadow ban me or they can't, you know, they can't block me. Well, yes, they can. Am I right, right. or wrong? Right, because this judge, who's a leftist, by the way, uh, she ruled that since it is associated with the White House, and that's the government, and that Twitter account is paid for by the government, that the, uh, that the uh, president or his people, that is, can't pick and choose based on uh, whether they agree with somebody or not. Um, but your point is well taken. As for the rest of us, we're not the government. 
That's right. And in, in, until and Twitter's not the government. Unless we find a different platform, go build one, Mark. You know, it is right. what it is, right? Yes, I, I agree 100%. And there's no reason that people out there shouldn't, shouldn't find other ways to communicate. And they are. And you know what? When these left-wing corporate goons continue to do what they're doing, they're going to create competition. They're going to create new uh, cutting-edge technology. I don't mean them personally, but others will to compete against them. And that's what makes the system so great. It happened to me in radio here. There was some jerk on radio. He was being a jerk on radio. And they said, hey, Levin, you want to step up and do this? I said, absolutely. Now that jerk was pushed out of my time slot because he couldn't get ratings. (laughs) Things happen. And, uh, yes, so... The more arrogant Facebook is, the more arrogant Twitter is, the more they, uh, they press their ideological agenda, there will be new uh, platforms, there will be new technologies, there will be new competition. We can't know, possibly know what it is today, uh, uh, just as we didn't know 15 years ago what the hell Facebook would be, that there would even be a Facebook. Excellent call, Forrest. Take care of yourself, sir. Kathleen, Westchester, New York, the great WABC. Go! Hi, Mark. Yeah, I'm from New York City, ABC land, and so I got to tell you, I'm going to just talk in bullet points quick. Thanks for everything, your education. I love it. I love your passion. The Goodells happen to be neighbors of mine. They live in the next town over. The guy just makes me sick. His father was a United States senator. Right, who was defeated by uh, James Buckley, as a matter of fact. And it's just sad that he doesn't have the respect for the country because of that. And I had tried to organize, like, a flag flash mob at his house because I was just so mad, and I wanted to, uh, you know, get people to come, but it was kind of hard because it's one of those kind of communities. And the last thing I wanted to say is I'm glad you're feeling better. You sound a lot better, but maybe you use chemicals like uh, fragrance-free laundry detergent, and I think you might not have all those asthma attacks because I get those sounds, and I love you, and I don't want you to get sick on us. Well, how do you know I don't? I don't know, but you sound like the way I do. If somebody comes near me that's got, like, extremely irritating... All right, let me, let me tell you what's going on here. I have a special respiratory problem. You know what it is? When I'm around liberals, or I talk about liberals, or about what they're doing to the country, the damn thing kicks in and I can't stop it. Yep. It's like dust mites, may I say. I hear you, I hear you. Well, I just hope that, you know, I want you around and to keep... Well, you're a sweetheart. Thank you. And and in honor of what you said, right after the show, I'm getting a nice steak. You know what, Kathleen? I haven't had a steak in a long time. What's that all about? I love steak. That's my favorite meal. Anybody will tell me (laughs) anywhere I go. I'm going to get my steak. You won't like this. Well done with a little bit of ketchup. Uh, ketchup, not bad, but well done. I, I used to be a chef, or I guess I still am a chef. Every now and then I do medium well. But every time I do medium well, it's raw. I can't eat raw meat. I can't stand it. Kathleen, wonderful call. I appreciate it. Take care of yourself. I'll be right back. Unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877-381-3811. Well, I stand corrected, ladies and gentlemen, in America. (laughs) 
My wife just reminded me I had steak on Monday. She makes a great steak, by the way. But I didn't have it with ketchup, I must tell her. So I did have steak. We had steak on Monday. But I want steak today, too. So I think we'll have steak tonight. That's the goal. And I was just told, yes, okay, fine. I can't wait. I won't tell you what I like to have with my steak. You'll think I'm three years old. You know what I like to have with my steak, Mr. Producer? Corn. You like corn? All right, here's the kicker. Oh, boy. Applesauce. Do you like applesauce? Okay. That's what I like. All right, now you know more than you care. It's ridiculous. Are you hiring, posting your position to job sites and waiting and waiting and waiting for the right people to see it? I got a better idea. ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find the next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. And right now, my listeners, you, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. By the way, shout out to my buddy Larry O'Connor, who is my lead-in host, or I'm his follow-up host, on the great WMAL. Does a great show. He's a great columnist. And I want to thank him for his excellent column today. As a matter of fact, a lot of wonderful people and websites out there. All right, let me see where we're going here. Let us go to Al. I mean, Al, A-L. Denver, Colorado, XM Satellite. Go. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Yes, my sir. My concern here comes pretty straightforward. Yes. I don't understand where the um, DOJ or the FBI gets the authority to appoint uh, any type of a counsel whatsoever, considering that the independent counsel statute expired and was never renewed. Well, this is an excellent question. First of all, the FBI doesn't get to appoint any of them. It's the uh, attorney general, and in his lieu, the deputy attorney general. And it's uh, a regulation within the Department of Justice. That's what they use. Because of the independent counsel statute. Right, but the independent counsel statute wasn't here from the beginning of time. I realize that. So previously, when there has been a special counsel, they were appointed by the president of the United States. So No, anyway, they were appointed by, hello, they were appointed by the attorney general. Like in the Watergate case. No, but okay. But, but that's usurping presidential authority. No, it's not usurping presidential authority because an attorney general can appoint an inferior officer. The problem in this case is, given the wide breadth, as I've explained now, uh, of uh, Mueller's investigation, the continual expanse of his investigation, and the fact that a number of his prosecutors have a dual appointments, giving them even more authority akin to assistant U.S. attorneys. He is not an inferior officer as the others were. He is a principal officer. I agree.
that argument. But I was just Well, now I feel good. Well, all I'm trying to say is that it seems to me from the very beginning that there wasn't anything that actually took place legally to actually give anyone the authority to actually You're right. Appoint and, th- and that's why this oh, – well, no. Listen, an attorney general can appoint – there, there are two million people working in the federal government. A relative small fraction of them are considered principal officers who require uh, uh, nomination by the president and confirmation. So this is well understood, and this has been in existence since the beginning of the republic. Sir, sir, I'm trying to educate you. The problem here is this specific appointment and this specific authority that he has. Go ahead. So all I was trying to say is that even under the independent counsel, it still required a... a court to determine what the authority There is no independent counsel statute. That process was set up by Congress. It required a court because that's what the statute did. That's not what the Constitution does. I mean, I, I would argue with you that we certainly do not want courts making executive branch appointments, do we? Thanks for your call. He's not listening, so I can't have a conversation. Plus, we're going in circles. Bob, Long Island, New York, the great WABC. Go! Hey, Mark. Um... I, when you made that comment about what the Jets are doing regarding paying uh, players fines that they would, would incur, I have I have a lifelong uh, history with the Jets. The very first Super Bowl party I went to was when I was a kid in 1967. I barely remember it, but I remember the Jets winning the Super Bowl that year. Uh, my uncle was a New York City police officer. He became friendly with many of the um, officers uh uh, excuse me, not the officers, the, the, the players of the New York Jets. So I actually got to meet a bunch of them in the 70s and 80s. And I told your call screen of my relationship with the Jets currently. And I just wanted to well, say Well, what that, is your relationship with the Jets currently? Uh, oh, you're not allowed I, to say. But it, but it's it's a familial situation with the owner, correct? It's a familial situ- situation with the owner, exactly. With the owner's brother? Uh, no, with the owner. With the owner, yeah, not not the owner's brother. I, I don't I don't know the owner, the owner's brother, but I just I just wanted to say that the owner and his wife are patriots, and I do know. Yeah, but what happened to his brother here? I you know Mark, like anything else in a family, right? Uh, he, he he left to become the uh, the, the ambassador to the to the UK, and I was always told that this guy uh, Woody Jenkins is that his name. Johnson. Woody Johnson. Woody Johnson was a uh, solid patriot, would listen to my show, among other shows. But apparently he's got this uh, Christopher brother uh, who is now chairman while he's in the government, which means he pretty much has to wash his hands of the operations while he's the ambassador to the United Kingdom. And this brother Christopher, he's the one, hey, you know what, we'll pay the fines of the players. Do all the kneeing you want. Yep, and I just, I just wanted to say that because... Um the, uh, He's obviously the uh, dim-witted brother. Obviously. Uh, Woody and his wife, Suzanne, are very solid patriots. That's what I've been and, told. Yeah, so I, I just want to... Con- I, and again, your call screen knows, knows my relationship. I see it right up here in the call screen. I will not expose you, but you have a very significant relationship with the family. And uh, the case of Christopher, he doesn't have a relationship with reality. And All right, I, Bob, I appreciate your call, and thank you for that. I've understood that Woody Johnson is a great patriot, too. We're talking about Christopher, the dumb one. May I say, with all due respect, hey, guess what? We have this, person, this policy in place, but, you know, you players, you want to come out of the locker room and take a knee, I'll pay the fine. What kind of a jerk is that? 
kind of a jerk is that? Gary, Richmond, Virginia, how are you, sir? Hey, Mark, it's an honor to speak to you, and I really thank you for taking my call. Thank um, you. Two quick points. One, on the back, I'm going to backtrack a little bit to the, the Clapper visit on The, the View. James the Clap, yes. Yes. Um, one thing that that uh, that uh, Ms. Behar came to the conclusion that that this actually helped Trump. Well, last time I checked, Trump won. Why aren't they screaming that this helped Trump? This helps Trump. Well, you know, she's not on the View because she's smart. She's on the View because she's a jerk. Well, Clapper was even kind of like agreeing when 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 she said. Oh, that. come on, sir. Look, who's dumber? Joy Behar or the clap? <laughs> That's true. I, I, what I wanted, to, what I wanted to do is, I want to thank you. Um, back when Tom Marr passed away, um, you did a great tribute to him, and and I've, I always said if I ever got through to Mark, I was going to thank him for that great tribute. Tom and I, we're, we, you know, we were we were really friends as close as you you guys were probably. I was more of a caller on his shows. And I met him in person a couple of times, but I considered him a friend, and uh, he, he was a great guy. And, and I just really wanted to thank you, because I, I, that was just a great tribute. And, and I just was trying to process, what would Tom Marr be saying right mm-hmm. now about this situation? And, and you can actually almost hear him saying the mm-hmm. stuff, you know what I mean? And uh, I, did, I just wanted to thank you for that. And I, and I you, you, you don't have to thank me. Tom was a friend of mine. He was a friend of the show. I've known, I knew Tom for years and years and years, uh, even when he was in Philadelphia. And I miss him very much. I think about him quite often. And when I think about Tom, I think about Bob Grant, who was on WABC and also spent some time in Philadelphia radio. Another wonderful man who I was friends with. Um, and his passing, too. These, these, are, these are wonderful men. And uh, we're not going to forget them on this program. But Tom, you know, he was a regular uh, substitute host, and he was a great patriot. And the funny thing is, when I was backing Ted Cruz and he was backing uh, uh, Trump, we were good friends and so forth and so on. But he said, I'm telling you, Mark, one day you'll see. So anyway, he's very much missed around here. Thanks for your call, Gary. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. share mechanics calling me saying they found something wrong that needs replacing when I've taken my car in for an oil change. Does that happen to you? Those supposed surprise high repair bills are terrible, especially when you're not covered by a manufacturer's warranty any longer and you're paying out of your own pocket to fix them. That's why I strongly recommend extended vehicle protection from CarShield. If your car has 5,000 to 150,000 miles on it, CarShield can save you from paying for high repair bills. Replacing your engine, even a simple sensor, can cost thousands of dollars. When you're protected by CarShield, you can have your favorite mechanic or dealership fix your car. It's your choice. CarShield also provides 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed for free. Get covered by the ultimate in extended vehicle protection. Here's what I want you to do. Call them. 800-CAR-6100. 800-CAR-6100. Make sure you mention code LEVIN or visit carshield.com. That's carshield.com. Use code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N. Why? You'll save 10%. That's why. That's carshield.com, 
or 800-CAR-6100. Use code LEVIN. Save 10%. Get a great product, a great service. A deductible may apply, but I have it on our uh, 2010 Camaro, and it needs it, and it needed it. So you should check it out, too, in my humble opinion. Yes, when I go to football, I don't need to hear the politics of the football players. It's not about their rights. It's a private entity. Talking about the private sector. I know a few uh, business situations where the employees can uh, start spewing their politics, taking knees, uh, uh, disrupting what's going on in there in order to turn off the customers. Turn off the customers. You go to a football game because you don't want to hear politics. You go to a football game because you don't want to deal with family issues. You go to a football game because you want to leave the stress behind you. So when they're doing stupid stuff on the field, and you got to hear these phony civil rights are, hey, I have a First Amendment right. No, you don't. Get the hell off the field. Hey, there's social injustice. Great. So what? After the game, deal with it. But after the game, they don't deal with it. They go home. They enjoy themselves just like everybody else. And what is social injustice anyway? Never ends. Never ends. Individual responsibility. That ought to be the response. Individual. All right. It's getting late. Robert, Grand Rapids, Michigan, the great WJRW. Go. Mr. Levin, two comments. One comment, an invitation. If you ever find yourself in West Michigan, I will treat you to the best steak in town, and we will both order well done with ketchup. You're the only other one I know that does that. Well, you do that, too. Oh, absolutely. I put ketchup on steak, and I don't call it ketchup. I call it red gourmet dipping sauce because of all the snobs out there that look I like that because they all stare at you funny. Yes. Oh, yeah. Anytime you're in West Michigan, that'll be on me. It'd be an honor, sir. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I've never been in West Michigan. I've got we've got two great steakhouses in Grand Rapids, so you can't go wrong. It's a long I way to go for a steak. I would just tell you that. Well, but thank you, you very much. Want. Thank you, sir. My comment. Yes. I, I listen to ABC World News tonight because that's the most tolerable of all the intolerable major network news store news stations. And they were talking about Trump's comment or accusation that he had a spy within his campaign organization. And it, it strikes me very funny that they use the code words um, fact-checking three or four times in the story. They never use it with anyone else, and they never bend over backwards to use it. And what did they find out? That Trump was lying, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, they want to discredit him. And anything that he says— any Well, idea- Robert, let's, let's slow down here. Where did this first appear? It first appeared in the New York Times, didn't it? Correct. In a long article, is that uh, our best of, Mr. Producer? The New York Times. That was, so we're going to go back on our best of on Memorial Day. So the New York Times lets it out. Everybody figures out who it is. It's this old fogey uh, uh, professor. And uh, it's just like in March before last when I was putting together these newspaper articles and making the case that the uh, Trump world had been uh, surveilled by our government. They say, well, look, you're making it up. The New York Times wrote about this, as have other news outlets. And now the clap, James the clap, he's confessed to it. I mean, we know this took place. So why are they fact-checking Trump? Why don't they fact-check the clap? Exactly. Go right ahead, sir. And, and the one, and the, he didn't use the word spy. He didn't like that word. He used the word informant. 
Tell me yeah, that's I know. for spy, for crying out loud. Of course. This amazes me, and, 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 I, and I'm telling you, I'm so fed up with the media. I watch the other side just so I can be a well-informed and well-rounded person. And it just absolutely, I just want to throw a rock through my TV every night because they always leave out key information and key facts. Just I have to listen to this network news. I don't even know where the hell we get it from at the top of the hour when I'm listening here. And it's such, it's so partisan. It's so left-wing. It's disgusting. You have about 12 people protesting Trump in Long, on Long Island. And yet the president is saying these things. And these 12 people get equal time. It just is absolutely sickening, and I, I am fed up to my... By the way, do you agree that the, uh, that the MS-13 gang members are animals? <laughs> do I believe they are? Yes. I think, that's a, I think that's an insult to the word animal. I do, too. I believe they are subhuman, rabid, something or others. They, they don't respect human life, so why should, we get, why, why should we give them any respect back? And just for the fact that they leave out that very important little bit of information in the media as well and make it sound like Trump is nothing more aren't, than... Aren't they domestic terrorists, in effect? I'm sorry? Aren't they domestic terrorists, in effect? <laughs> um, well, I guess, I don't know... If but, Mark, they're human beings. Yeah, They're human well, beings, Mark. You know what? Human beings... With, human. Human beings kill more human beings than anything else. Thank you for your call, sir. Vince, Nortville, Michigan. You're it, baby. Go. Hey, sir. How you doing? Welcome. Just I tell you what, your commentary on this stuff is spot on. You're hitting home runs every night. You ought to be playing for the Tigers. Oh, but, thank you. <laughs> but on another note. You By the way, how are they doing, the Tigers? I don't even know. Uh, they're, they're not doing bad. They're, they're doing all right. They're struggling a little bit. But, you know, yeah. Cabrera's earning his money. He's, he's earning his money, you know. Good. But, hey, I just want to say thank you for what you're doing with the country. I mean, you're, you're doing an outstanding job. You're actually bringing the truth uh, forward. And what you're going to see with Mr. Mueller is simply this. Mr. Mueller's backing Quick. himself into a corner. Listen, listen, get this gentleman's phone number. I'm not kidding, and we'll call him back because I interrupted him. I'm sorry, Vince. We salute all you heroes out there. I hope you'll check out Levin TV tonight, and I'll see you on the radio tomorrow, and Vince will call you tomorrow. Take care, America. God bless you.